0: All right. Well, thank you guys for coming. It's, it's our a pleasure night. to be here. I, I appreciate it. Star Union in the house. Drink cheers. And dance and cheers. 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 I'll All drink that. I appreciate
1: it. Jonathan. Cheers. John, thank you
0: for setting everything up for us to Bob. fucking do Dan. this. Thank you for everyone touch tips. Yeah. All right. So, Bob. So we're drinking your wine. That like, we know that's how you kind of got started on this whole journey you did. Right. So, can we, can we talk
2: about that? Yeah, we sure can. All right. Uh, it was probably the biggest uh, turning point in my life. And it all started out with my next door neighbor pushing a barrel out in his backyard. And being the neighbor that I am, I always wanted to help the older gentleman when he's pushing something big around especially if it's a wine barrel. Um, I like that. John's oh, neighbors I'm must sure. have it tough then, because <laughs> I'm sure I'm hoping pushing that
0: pushing something big around.
2: Full of wine, and uh, hopefully I'll get something in my glass. But he was, uh, Charlie Marino was uh, quite a gentleman. He was a third-generation winemaker. Um, his grandfather and his father were winemakers down in Bridgeport, and he did it with his, his sons, and they did it every year uh, consistently. And the wine that they made was probably not the best wine <laughs> because when we started off, we knew we had a lot to do because it just was not that good. But every year we made it better, and then finally we were making good wine. And I started bringing my wine into Rudy's, and I talked to Patty down there, and one time she said, you know, you make wine from Lodi, and it's better than some of the wines I get from Lodi. So I knew I was on the right track. <laughs> and then we this kept on, uh, we worked as a collective. Um, our neighbors were all involved. We had about 100 people in my backyard and my neighbor's backyard. And the neighbor next door, um, she was an elderly lady, and she led us ferment down her basement all hours of the night. She just opened the basement door and we had free reign of her basement. So what you're saying is you took advantage of your neighbors to get started in your Yeah, okay. I, I was all enthusiastic, <laughs> believe me. I was, the, after a while I um, ended up hosting it at my house and it turned into my garage and my basement and it just got to be so big that it was time to do something on a larger scale, Jeff was also in Jeff Yasu, which was also in, and he was a big part of it. And he also brought a lot of, um, some of the technical aspects. We kind of worked together. Well, oh, you it. said
3: Jeff like saw what you were doing and just went crazy. Yeah, I mean, he yeah. went well, absolutely it, nuts once he saw it and fell in love with it and Jeff. just went out and bought
2: everything. He did. I, did. Uh, I we were on a camping trip and one time uh i had i said everybody bring a bottle we'll share the bottle and we'll discuss the bottle and i had my bottle of wine there and he is like what's this i go it's a bottle of wine that i made he goes you made this i said yeah he goes next time you do it i want to be there so naturally i invited him and he was so fired up after he was there the first day four days later he comes back and he's back in his car into the driveway and he opens up the back and we're like what's going on and he pulls out a press a couple <laughs> barrels some carboys he had all, all everything needed and I said wow this guy is jumping in with both feet so he had the enthusiasm and he um totally rocked it and we did it for the next 12 years together wow and then we decided okay like if we're gonna do it let's Kinda do it. Let's do it. Let's see what we can come up with. So he really um, bore down and did a business plan, and he did it quickly. And before we knew it, we were in front of the mayor of Peru and the and Bob Vickery, who was the uh, the business um, consultant or of of uh, of Peru. And we asked them, "Is there even a chance of us getting in?" And Bob Vickery said, we'll roll out the red carpet for you if if that can can happen. So really, Jeff took care of all the legal aspects of it. I kind of take part of a lot of the creative and we work right brain, left brain. But it all started out in our crazy garage with purple hands for two weeks (laughs) and inefficiencies and we got better as we went. And it it turns out that the wine's not so bad. And sometimes pretty good.
0: So why did you go in the direction of a distillery as opposed to a vineyard?
2: Because at first we thought we were gonna be in Chicago. Okay. And we started looking at buildings in Chicago. And there's just no place for, uh, there's just no place for uh, any type of uh, vineyard. And so we figured, well, When I was uh, maybe about 10 years ago, I went out to California and I met Richard Hobbs, who is, uh, he's a Cooper and he is with, um, um, uh, he is with um, a barrel company from Minnesota. Right now, uh, the barrel mill. And he said, dude, you shouldn't be a winemaker. You should be a distiller. You can do anything you want. You don't have to worry about being a farmer. And that was a big thing. We had no experience doing any grapes. And also grapes take three or four years for the vines yeah, to right. mature. And we didn't have enough to buy land and, a, and, a, and a, put a distillery together. So it was economic and also local and then. Chicago is so expensive and there was a lot of loopholes that we had to jump through. And um, so we just looked in Peru, my hometown, and I had always drove by West Clock's building and always said to myself, hey, you know, um, when's somebody going to put a business in there that is going to take a chunk of that and open up all that that front door all those all those and get those windows back in there and crew and um uh and 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 the current owner cody uh he they worked together and they were able to get a uh a tiff grant for that and we were able to be the economic engine for that space and also the building Uh, a lot of things happened after we got in there but it always takes only one business to get it. So we love the space. We love the fact that we were opening up that front entrance. And we wanted to um, be that economic engine for Peru to drive tourism, to get that building uh, back uh, again to um, being a viable. Uh, solution to um uh, some retail space and some um uh, production space in, in in peru and we felt that was the best place we had looked at a couple other ones some historic places and it just it it didn't work those didn't work but peru gave us the economic opportunity that we needed that chicago we just didn't have enough money to do it up in chicago and there was we didn't have enough time to do it logistical issues with it in Peru, but we've kind of worked them out over the years. And uh, right now that space suits us fine. Uh, and I think the community really likes the fact that that building's operational again. At one time, I remember they were talking about tearing it, all, the whole thing down, mm-hmm. which would have been a shame because that is uh, uh, priceless architectural gem every day that I'm in that space is an amazing moment to look around and see this um, uh, forethought that has gone into that that building. And it has stood the test of time and a fire and um, production moving out and off to Atlanta or Georgia. And now we're back in there. And we are uh, producing award winning spirits. And it's great to represent Peru and the Elmay Valley, the Star Rock Corridor. And um, we're making world class spirits, and we prove that. And it's all done in three and a half years. So our journey has been about 20 years in the making, and now we're realizing our dream. Right.
0: So it's actually funny, it reminds me of uh when me and Rob were when we met, you know, we were at the University of Chicago and we were gonna, you know
1: We were move. initially supposed to be in the West we were Clocks Initially building. supposed
0: to, you know, you guys know we were supposed to be we, right next door to you guys. And yeah. I remember touring the building and those doors were weren't even open. Like no. they were they were closed off and like just just the fact that you guys opened those doors is huge. You know what I mean? Like I mean that was all boarded up. Like there was there was nothing.
2: I I agree and the the whole fact I I think that was like one of the incentives to get our space was the whole fact that we were off the front door entrance in the atrium and that would be access and we would have that 6000 square foot and possibly more if we continue to grow um was for me I have been in that building for almost 60 years now I I would say at least since I was four so maybe it's 56 years but even so I mean I remember going there when I was in kindergarten and I still remember that and how many images in your lifetime you ever have that you can think that far back and still recollect it I could still remember the municipal band playing at Christmas time when I walked in and it was over in the cafeteria and it's still very vivid. And it was, uh, there was thousands of people there. Thousands of people there. And they were all there for the uh, the Christmas celebration. And they gave everyone these wonderful gifts. And they weren't like a little matchbox. It was like die-cast car. And the girls got a, whatever they had. And they they probably got a doll or they may have got a die cast car or whatever, but there was thousands of them and everybody walked away. Right. It, was, it was alive. It was. It was, alive. It was and it's that's what we're trying to place. do right now. It's really something oh, it was to mar sit back and marvel
1: at.
3: Yeah, it was it was, I mean, the was such a cornerstone of, is beautiful. of the whole really the whole uh, Illinois Valley. You know, uh I've gotten so many stories from people that their grandfather worked there, the grandmother worked there, they retired. Uh, one of my all time favorite customers, she retired from West Glocks in nineteen seventy seven. And so she was ninety six years old. She wow. came into the distillery one day. I was actually I was cleaning, I was doing some stuff. And she just kind of appeared and and I wasn't sure she was a ghost at first, you know. <laughs> <laughs> And, and uh, so she had worked in the watch section. And our the watch section of West Glock's is where our distiller sits. And so she said, could I possibly go back and just revisit where I worked? Absolutely. So I took her back, and we spent two hours, and, and she just told just me stories about West Clocks and how things were and, you know, the, the cable cars that would, or the, the trolleys that would show up and, and shuttle people back and forth to work. And just, it was just an amazing experience because it was just so much the history of this area
0: have you ever seen this lady again no that was a ghost <laughs> it, was probably, it was
3: probably a ghost 100 she did taste the brandy though I and bet. she liked the brandy and, and so i get a hug before she left so yeah she was uh she was feeling feeling pretty good before she left but yeah. uh yeah I was, it was you got to ghost drunk yeah, yeah good for you
1: brandy shall we talk about this brandy well wait so and the extensiveness so, of it
0: that's a, good segue. That, that's a great segue but just to just to build on that what you're talking about bob is like so like all like with me and rob all great ideas start with just people hanging out getting drunk kind of like what you and jeff were doing and then you came out of a business plan same thing with me and rob like we would work together and we would form like hey we should open a restaurant we're you know we we, we should do this for ourselves. Okay, great. You
1: also did work that beside Rob at the same establishment running a private club sure. for almost 10 years. So yeah. they knew how each other operated. Yeah, we,
0: we worked together, you know, really well. And and I guess kind of where I'm going with this is that, like, until you... And I mean, I've opened a dozen restaurants before, but I never did it on my own time, my own money. And there's no blueprint on how to do any of this stuff, and I mean, maybe you were lucky that you talked to this one gentleman that told you not to open a vineyard. But what? But there's were always the an hardest, uh-huh moment, right? right? What were what were the the things that you didn't even think of, or like the challenges that, like, I mean, nobody tells you how to open a business. You, <clears throat> just, you physically just have to do it.
2: Well, um, we, I had never run any kind of a tasting room or bar before. But I did have a lot of, I feel that just because I like to cook and I like to go to restaurants and I've been in a lot of bars, there's acumen that yeah. I wanted to have my staff hold be held accountable and go to a certain standard. And I was lucky enough to have Dan come along and help me with that. And we also had some other of uh, people that came along that uh, that we had in our, uh, that we employed that also brought that element to it, but I had never done that. But I also wanted, I I felt that the Illinois Valley needed this, this, a uh, higher standard. Elevation. Yes, Elevation. There, it's, it, it shouldn't be all about bush light, and it's okay if people drink that. But I, I wanted to do, like, elevated cocktails. And I like going to those places. I like going to speakeasies as much as I like to go to honky-tonk bars. And I think there's a place for all of that. And I think there's um, uh, there should be elevated cocktails in all of those places. I'm a big fan of a traditional highball and um, yeah. easy drinks. But they all should be done with care like you would be serving someone who's important and everybody should be important mm-hmm. and i wanted to get that along and that, that's that been a constant we're trying to do that for everyone i want that to instill that in our employees which i know that dan wants to as well and we continue to strive for that as much like you guys do in the restaurant business mm-hmm. and so i don't know if i was necessarily prepared for that but i expected that mm-hmm. and i Wanted, I also wanted, I mean, there was a lot of things. I mean, there's probably too many that I can't even remember them because I, when we started out, it was just Jeff and me. We had this still that we never ran before. And Jeff actually took a lot of, he took a lot of incentive to get that going. And I did a little bit more of the fermentation and a lot of that, uh, a lot of that aspect of it. He was the one who really started getting the still operational and we ran those first ones. And we had some consultants that came in. Once Casey got in, then we really were, then we really found our- That's when the rocket uh, lit. Yes, absolutely. He just brought it to a whole nother level of quality control. Everything is done. Correctly. <clears throat> we had more of a mission we had more um so i always refer to casey
3: as a twisted super genius because he is like one of those just focused artists mm-hmm. he's your you know? main distiller yeah yeah he's the one that distills pretty much everything now yes and, and he is so he's creative but scientific at the same time. Yeah, he's very so, meticulous. So I I love working with Casey. Uh, on different spirits, different things. Um because he's just he knows the basic science. But yet he's not afraid to well, let's see if we can do this and branch so, out. You know, yeah, cool. so you know, we we've had just a blast working together. So Bob, what was your
0: oh shit moment we're doing this? So with with me and Rob, like, we were, we bought the building, and we were building the thing out for, like, a year, year and a half, whatever.
1: About a year. Every <laughs> right. Weekend. I didn't know that. And, and we were still, go like, there. actively
0: working. And, you know, like, on the weekends, you know, Rob and, Rob and Bridget would, I mean, Bridget did most of the work, but, like, Rob and Bridget would, would go in there and just do what the they door door could just to the get the building restaurant going restaurant and all that and kind of stuff. And, on occasion. and we were kind of, like, at that point, we're like, okay, we think we're ready to open. But, like, then the health department came in. Eric was our health inspector, you know? um. So he came in and then it's just like, okay, you guys are all good, you guys can open. And then that was like our kind of like, oh shit, like we can open now. Like we didn't even want the health department to tell us we could open because we were just kind of like, oh, we'll just keep, you know, building it out and just, you know, keep going. But then there there's always that one moment like as, right. as a business owner for the first time where there's like, okay, cool, like have at it guys.
2: I think it's probably around like, I think it's like once we sold our first bottle, and I think that maybe that kind of set us off in the wrong direction because we had live music the day that we had that, and we thought that it was always gonna be this. We were gonna have all these people coming in, drinking cocktails, listening to live music, and it's kind of sent us down the wrong path. After about six months, we were having live music, there'd be three or four people showing up. Nobody was buying bottles. And we struggled that first year. And we had well, great- I know, I know you and I had
3: a couple screaming matches the first year.
2: Yeah, but I mean, it's just <laughs> like, I mean, we felt we had a format. We felt that people were coming in, but we, I didn't know how to stop it, because as soon as we'd have like a good week, then I thought it would pick up again. we just we had the wrong business model and covid finally hit and we thought well what's going to happen here and then a lot of different things changed we ended up doing hand sanitizer we still did our production but we had to figure out other ways to do it so that was the old shit moment we were we did hand sanitizers we did cocktails to go we did bottles to go we did deliveries we did everything that we needed. To we, we did
3: a lot of pirouettes, really quick to keep Oh yeah! Out. But that's what
0: great people do, right? Like you adapt and you survive, right? So I mean,
2: it, it, yeah, it was you, survival. You're, you're,
0: there's, there's, no giving, there's no giving up. You're you're gonna survive. Right. You're gonna right. learn how to adapt. Like we, with me, Laura, and Rob, when the we pandemic had chef, hit, of course, we like you know we had else. to let go of our staff, obviously, and me, Laura, and Rob had to sit there and cook and just take out, do takeout orders.
1: That. Take a role in the kitchen and so yeah, forth. Yeah, and Laura like, was helping
0: cooking in the kitchen. Rob was just on the phone doing deliveries. deliveries we never had and a takeout out, container yeah. in our restaurant until the pandemic. We that. never that. wanted to <laughs> even do takeout. We're like, we're not that restaurant. Right. And then we just like, okay, well, we don't have a choice. Like we have to adapt. We have to survive. And same, cocktails right. do Yeah, and, and then so we, forth. yeah, same thing, cocktails yeah. go. And oh, then yeah. in between lunch and dinner, when there was no takeout orders, we would sit there and play poker. I mean, right. we, we would we literally would sit at the cards. table and play, you know,
3: well, you know, and King's was,
0: Crown or whatever the hell that game is that, that we have, and we'd just sit there and just play cards and then wait for that the phone to It It's such a
3: weird Genre. dynamic for me because you know I, I'd been bartender for six years, seven years, whatever, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden I couldn't. And so, you know, I never in my life thought it would be illegal to do <laughs> what I would trained to do for that long, and so. You know these guys. I was off for a couple months, and uh, luckily these guys they brought me back. And they said, "Well, we can't we can't have the tasting room, but we're gonna have you self sanitize." Sanitizer. And so for most of that summer, I was like a kid with a lemonade stand. I mean, I, I sat out by the side of the road with a mask on and sanitizer piled around and People would pull up, and I would you know grab the sanitizer and go up and and fill their orders. And it was it was very weird and very surreal. And I never want to do it again, but it's um, you know, it was it was what you needed to do at the time to you know a get people through the crisis, and and b to, to
2: maintain a we were, all in,
1: the, were all in the same yeah everybody yeah, everybody it was, everybody it was, it was the so, same thing it was you know? so
2: hard for us we were lucky as a business to be within um, starting and having some capital in reserve which we were lucky to and make it through the pandemic. And then right as we were coming out of the pandemic, we won some pretty big awards. And those really kind of propelled us. That was another oh shit moment, wow we're, We finally are, we I have like acclamation of what we've already known. We knew we had some really fantastic spirits. And then to get the double gold, Two double golds out in California and five silvers. And then right after that win, rum of the year with the American Craft Spirits Association. That was like the one-two punch that really... No, it was totally a shadow of So attack. the rum of
1: the year had to be the gold, the oak-aged barrel rum. Was that correct?
2: I'm sorry? It was
1: the rum of the year, the oak-aged, the gold rum?
2: It was Navy the, strength. Navy strength the Navy Strength rum. The Navy
1: Strength, okay.
2: The You're Navy Strength it. rum. That shit and, will fuck you up. It's yeah, a whole but, it's, <laughs> but it's you know what it's really, uh, you know what it's quality spirits and it's and it's pure and really uh, wonderful and again Casey was the guy who was able to come up with that that recipe and I feel that you know that was one that was the one of the things that really set us on our way that made us legitimate well
3: yeah exactly you know when when you win an award like that you get that kind of acknowledgement all of a sudden it's it, it's real you know and and you have people wanting to you know coming in specifically to taste your stuff because of one award and, and and all of a sudden you're pertinent you know you guys know that the alcohol world is extremely fickle and to be someone and to be noted and to you Know, have that point in the alcohol world. It's, it's a huge thing. And well, so,
2: when and also you say, doing I mean, it in a blind tasting against everyone in the world. Yeah. And especially in the craft uh, spirits association, the American craft spirits association, there's like 800, 900 uh, distilleries that are part of that.
3: Well, and you know, and it was
2: a huge rum. thing
3: when, uh, when we were up at Rumfest up in Chicago. It was so. Totally an ego moment, but it was so cool because we had so many people, you know, there was what, 90 distilleries, something, something like, like that. that, rum distilleries from around the world, Super and they were fantastic, fantastic. rums. but, you know, we would have people come up to our booth all the time and be like, Illinois rum? The hell is Illinois rum? And we could point to the award and go... The best yes. rum in it's the right. country, according to the American Craft Spirits Association, and one of the best in the world. Yeah, but... you know, and, and so it really legitimized where we were at, what we were doing, and then people would taste it and and they'd be like, "Oh, I can see why." And to get that kind of a response from people that that walk up to the booth, initially negative, you know, going, "What the hell is Illinois doing making rum?" Well, we're making you know some of the best rum in the world. We're yeah, we're you know, we're, we're, we're making that effort. You you can't you know that's just priceless. You know you you can't really fight against. It. It's just a, a cool moment. So.
0: So when we uh, do know, so, question so like, what I love about what you guys do so much is, um, well, Bob, you're best looking guy in the Illinois Valley. <laughs> Besides <Wow>. that.
2: <laughs> I didn't wear my, I didn't wear my coat tonight. Right. I'd <laughs> e- look even better if I had my sport coat on. So,
0: but like, like real talk, like what I really like enjoy about you guys is that like you guys do like just outlandish things, which is like awesome. Like you, you're doing like you started with brandy and it's like, who the hell drinks brandy? And it's like, you're making really good brandy. Right. And then Why you're, brandy? and now you're working on absinthe and Genevieve and in geneva and like oh that's your like, fault yeah it's, i know it's my fault it, but like i said all great ideas come from drunken things and i think that was at the christmas party when <laughs> it we, was, we talked it at, was that, at the know, christmas like, party a of whiskey in um but i guess this question is for like you guys and laura and john too like how how do you what's your like creative process as far as like coming to like with the cocktails right so like you just mentioned i think earlier when we were talking that you're you're making a cocktail for a hundred year old chiropractor yeah right so, where do you start with the something, creative process of making a cocktail for a chiropractor?
2: Something comes out. It, it comes out of necessity. Like we have a client who want who likes our rums, mm-hmm. and they want it want to yeah, it just, align ourselves with our distillery, which is great. We want our people from our community to love. So, our stuff. like
3: the, the first part of the process is you ask them what do you like to drink. You know, and so it's it's like a, every client is like an interview process because everybody has a different flavor profile. Everybody likes something different. And, and so especially when you have a customer coming to you, you know, for, for something like that, like an event like that, what do you like? You know, and, and then we kind of find out where their flavor profile kind of rests. And we build from that because when somebody's asking us for a custom cocktail, it's to make them happy. And hopefully, you know, when they're happy, the rest of their customers will be happy and, and everything else. But, I mean, that's ultimately the first, is to determine someone's flavor profile. You know, what what do you drink that makes you happy? Because that's really, you know, at the base of it, that's what we do. You know, we just try and make everybody's life a little better. Right. So, you know, that's that's really the, the creative thing about it. Right.
0: I think ours is, I think, like, just out of necessity, we just create because especially with, like, Laura and John, is, like, that... uh, Like, the other day, I just had, like, leftover cantaloupe from an event. I'm just like, Laura, I'm, like, gonna... Let's do something with this cantaloupe. And it's just, like, we just come up with a cocktail out of necessity. But, like, you guys don't have a kitchen, so it's, like... With us, I'm just like, Laura, we have these watermelons. We just do something with the watermelons. I got all this extra. John, yeah. John loves to drink tea, and he's just like, hey, let's make this cocktail out of tea, right? Didn't you do the Fournette oh, yeah, and yeah, tea he one? He likes Fournette. Right,
3: so. Yeah, um, I never uh, got to try that one. I do want to try that. Yeah, too. so it's like
0: those things just come out of like, necessity because it's just, hey, I have this leftover stuff, and before it expires, you got to do something with it. And
2: Yeah, and there's also, you also <laughs> look for trends in the industry, but you also want to be unique. For us, our, at least for me, I want to do stuff that not many people are doing. We do brandies, we started with brandies, which is like expensive, but unique. And it it also ties in with how we started and our story. And we use the same grapes for our brandy as we did when we made wine in Chicago. so Which means something. It means yeah. a lot. It means so much to There's us. There's a story to it. There's the story. And plus, we feel those grapes are just, they have such a great personality and they're tied to us. So you start there. We want to work with other places. So our, our a- apples and cherries are, we work with St. Julian to have those harvested and they send the wine down to our specification. They're family-owned. They've been in business for over a hundred years. We run them through our still. It's Midwestern. We those those things are important to us.
3: Well, I mean, Tramontet, you know, the Tramontet was August Hill, right? Right.
2: And, so you know, yes. we
3: we try and work with local as much as we can because we're all going through the same thing. You know, everybody in the Illinois Valley is going through this strange renaissance. Um, because I grew up in Ottawa and you know that's one of the common things that i tell people is growing up in ottawa if you would have told me there was going to be a brewery a winery and a distillery in ottawa i would have laughed in your face
1: well it's hard to believe what even has popped up over the course of the past Absolutely. several years yeah. in such I mean, a short i mean mgd while.
3: was my fancy beer Our whole when I was strip. Growing up. you know that was that was top end that was the cool stuff As if you were drinking mgd you were you were drinking top end and so to have gone through the renaissance that 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 this area has and and the food quality like you guys are doing and you know some other places are doing and to to have that alcohol offering of we made this here it was just unheard of i mean it was unfathomable when i was going this was a river town you know this basically river rats and and <laughs> you, you you fish for can fish and you drank cheap beer I mean that yeah
2: was- but there was also there's also other there was also other fine dining
4: <laughs> <things>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that, like cats was, and beyond, Robert. I was the fan in his home town yeah, yeah I was the fan the Red Door was here, right, Garcinelli's dying, was here, Verrucchi's oh, you was know, here, it was, and all uh, those lovely. were fine dining, of the course. Isle of we Capri love was out there, and then there was the Vermilion I Inn, do, I do. there was always these, See, he there was a lot of places, places I didn't go to, to. Yeah, but, I was a river yeah, red growing up. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, there, there was, they, all had their, their, they all had their charm, yeah, they something. all had their special drinks, and that's that. they all had their creative process, so... All those places were all great and they had we have a storied past here and you guys are part of that past now and the future of it.
1: Well everyone loves social kitchen and I don't believe I ever had gotten a chance to go there. We I'm actually, actually went
2: time there. The we small. actually went there. I
0: don't know if okay. you remember, we did go there. But one we are a spinoff
1: of a similar concept that was brought to the area. So once that closed, then we launched mm-hmm. and you know, we launched December thirteenth, Friday the thirteenth of twenty nineteen. And right, we had just gotten our feet under us. And we were booming for a minute there. We were exceptionally busy. And then, wham, well, I think bam, the pandemic. you guys
3: right before you opened. That's when we started, like, drinking weird stuff together and just. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oh, shit.
2: Well, I mean, for us, you know, the creative process is super important. I mean, we do a lot of research and development. We have Dan, and we have Casey, and then I'm part of it. Jeff is part of it, and we all kind of work together to make sure that we're I, I, doing. Yeah, it's it's a fun, it cool, is. communal vibe, and we're all, and we want to do something different. We don't want we. That's why we make light whiskey. That's why we're making absinthe, American absinthe made out of corn, right? And Genevieve, Genevieve. who's making Genevieve? Not many people. Still blame so that's what that. I
1: want with the buzz notes.
2: Yeah, and the, the buzz, buzz, buzz bombs. bombs, and all these other other things that we have that we do in our in-house, in our bar. Those are incredibly important to us. They're incredibly important to our creative process because not only it, it serves the purpose of making those spirits and liqueurs in-house, it leads to other things, and it leads to other creativity, and it leads to well, right. things that we would never, ever had a chance to stumble upon.
3: Yeah, no, I, I think it really comes down to drinking things and, and drinking good things. It, it should be an experience. You know, a shot in a beer and a dive bar is cool. It's fine. I love that.
2: Oh, I've
3: been more fun than probably bar. more people. But an elevated cocktail that when you, when you taste something and you're tasting multiple layers of flavors and it's actually making you think about what you're drinking, it kind of has this tendency to change a little bit your perspective on the world and it makes you think. And, you know, right now it's like, I think that's, you know, the more we can make people think and think about what's good, I think that's kind of the the most elevated thing we can ever hope for is to stop and think about Mm -hmm. what's good in the world because there's a lot of crap in the world right now. And so if we can give somebody... Five minutes of enjoyment.
1: Well, I actually think on a side note, it was you who brought to my attention with something as simple as like a classic pisco sour. He made certain to tell me, don't ever serve it without putting shoots or bitters on top of the egg white because it will smell and taste like a wet dog in someone's face. Yeah. So be mm-hmm. certain not to do that. Had he not told me that, I probably would, wouldn't have even realized I would have been doing that. So it's like just those little touches that it's someone's full on experience yeah, that
3: exactly. you either created you know, or you nuance. can ruin it
1: entirely.
3: And that's one of the things, you know, I, I've told all the bartenders I've worked with, all the, all the staff I've ever worked with. It's Like, you know, not everyone can afford to go out to dinner. This, this is not a, a minor expense. And so if they're going out to dinner, this is an event. And so it's almost a moral obligation to give them an experience. You know, if, if somebody can afford to go out once every three months and they go out and they get a, a wait staff that's snotty or they get a drink that's half ass and it ruins it for them, you know, they, they can't do that for another three months, you know. And so it's, it's kind of our moral obligation in this industry. To make it the best possible for everyone, you know, just because it's, you know, they come to you, so you, you kind of need to, you know, step up to that. Want to elevate yeah, their experience. Yeah, exactly. You know, and we you want, want everybody to have a memory. You know, that's uh, all, at the end of the day, isn't that why we do this, is to give everybody a memory. And, and so it's, it's, you know, kind of our moral obligation to make the night good for. And that, you know, whether it's a perfect drink or, you know, a waitress asking how their day was, you know, it doesn't matter. That's what we do. And that's why we do it. And, you know, if that's not what you want to do, then it's probably not the right business.
0: I feel like hospitality in this area gets lost a lot. I mean, obviously, you guys do a great job of it. Um, But I feel like a lot of these places that come in, like, it's just kind of like an aftermath. Um, It's just... So, like, as this area grows and you guys are doing new things and different things, I know, like, for us, like, a big challenge was, like, we're serving food that, like, we have to explain what this stuff is to, like, 90% of our customers that walk in. They're like, what's this word? What's what's this? What's that? What's Mm -hmm. that? And then you kind of, like, try to, you know, do your best to relate it to something. And it's like, oh, well, this is just, you know... What's birria tacos? Well, it's it's literally just like oh, like a pot roast inside a tortilla with cheese in it, and you'll really like it. Trust me. And and you try to like lead them, and then you there's trust build, and then hopefully they come exactly. back again. And exactly. that's like one of the main reasons why we have a burger on the menu, right? Like we do a like this a man, proper burger and whatever, and it's <laughs> it's good. Go. But like I never, I don't want to make burgers for a living or anything like that. And we sell a ridiculous amount of burgers. And, and it's the same thing with, like, our lunch menu. It's like, I don't want to put a grilled cheese on the menu. But, like, it sells. In your grilled cheese is. Like, grilled cheese but I'm there. saying, like, it sells, like, like insane oh, yeah. because people understand, oh, grilled cheese. It's actually funny that you guys brought up Bush Light because I, I remember, like, when we first opened, everyone, like, before we opened our doors, all, all the, co- like, people that would come in and we talk to us, they're to. just like, you have to get Bush Light. If you don't get Bush Light, you're not going to survive. And, like, and we didn't want to do it. And we're just like, okay, whatever. We'll just get, like, two cases of Bush Light. It took us, like. Eight months to sell to two cases of Bush Light, that. and ninety percent of those Rob drank when, oh, well, yeah. like, right, like when we, you know, <laughs> yeah. like Oh, it's, it, you know, it's the pandemic. There's nothing going on, Rob, Knock out like seven of these Bush Lights, and it's like, and they wouldn't even get him drunk; it would just hydrate him and, no. right. and right. Like, like he would get more, he would get more sober from <laughs> from drinking the Bush Light, and 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 I and I kept and I still have it to this day. And John, you know, because you work in the kitchen. Like, uh we have it to this day where I, I took that box and I cut out the top of it and we use it to stack things. So, like, if I need a layer of something, like our panna we put a layer of panna down and then I, you know, wrap them in plastic. And then I put this thing of this bush light just to remind me, like, we yeah, need to right, focus exactly. on what we're doing. So and, and if we're passionate about it and we're doing it the right way, people are going to come and they're going to like it. So, and gonna yeah, roll, yeah. And
3: so it's, it's so funny you talk about that because we have the same thing. Mm-hmm. We have people, we've got about 44, 45, 50, I don't know, something cocktails. And, and so we get people that walk in, and you can always tell because they're kind of uncomfortable being there. They're not sure they belong there. And they'll walk up, and they'll look at the menu, and they'll stare at it, and they'll stare at it. And they'll turn it over, and they'll look at a bottles for sale, and they'll turn it back over, and they'll stare at the menu, and they'll order a mule. And they order a mule because they recognize safe. that name. Yeah, and safe. so typically, when I'm engaged with them, I'm like, "Okay, I'll make you one." After that, you come, come back off. and we're gonna talk because you need to explore some different stuff.
2: Right. We finally took the mule off the yeah, just, I think we the menu because there's just so many other good drinks. Yeah. You know. So
3: for the mules
2: too. They'll they'll ask
3: for it. Well, yeah. So so people ask
2: tea. what's comfortable. Yeah.
3: And they so ask we, for what Our store. Long Island I see's is like
0: $30 because our, our liquor is so expensive I'm that exactly. we care. It's, it's like so a $30 Long Island. I, and people order it and you're just like, all right.
3: I feel so bad because... I
4: actually didn't know what a Long Island iced tea was until, like
1: someone ordered it last year, and so it's I literally extensive. gave
3: them tea with a shot of whiskey. Nice, I They're like, thanks. This, this is great. Is this nice. is nice. They probably already had one too many before they
1: came in. They didn't even know what you gave them, so it oh, worked out know. in your favor. Yeah, I,
2: I, I didn't know, but yeah. But like, yeah
3: so I mean, basically, it comes down to when people are stepping outside their comfort zone. They're going to look for that safety. And, and, you know, and I've always kind of taken it as a personal challenge of, okay, you can have one. You know, if that's what it takes for you to feel comfortable, okay, cool. And then come back and let's talk and let's see what we can do to expand your horizons. And, you know, I've had a great success rate. And, you know, most of the time by the time people leave, they're like, oh, my God, thank you. You know, you, you've showed me a world I didn't know existed. Right. Then I did my job. You know, that is my job is to show you what things can be and how they should be.
0: And that and makes you feel good about what oh, you're absolutely.
3: doing. absolutely. That's why yeah. I do it. You know. Yeah. And because uh, I mean I went through that. And you know, like I said, you know, before I uh before I started down this weird road, yeah, I was a Jack Daniels drinker. I drank Jack and
4: Coke. Jack
3: and Coke. And then when I moved to Alaska I drank Crown and Coke, and it really wasn't until I started doing the bartending thing that I started like
2: tasting and realizing there was entire worlds out there. That's like the whole thing. I mean, you want to expand your palate, and I, I, when I was in college, it was like right when Anchor Steam was coming on. Nice. They were like the, I'm. Really, you could say what you want about the Ninth Street Pub. They had Never Watneys. Been in there.
1: I heard it stinks.
2: They had Watneys <laughs> back oh my God. in the. They had Watneys <laughs> back in like the '80s, and they had all different kinds of imported beers. And I was like, that was before the craft beer craze. So the whole fact that you could get craft imported beers at the pub, or when I was at school, I had a place that I would go to. And they would have anchor steam. Flows? And, huh? Ooh. Flows? Flows, not so much. Flows, is, Flows has got great bloodies. Yeah. And they get fantastic. And great, great food. food. And they they they, <laughs> they have great food.
3: But they've never, never really. I mean, they're, they're a bar. You know, Flows is a neighborhood bar. Yeah. And they embrace that, they own that, and there's nothing wrong with it. No, no. But I mean, they're not going to go. You know, way far out the They up do what field. they
2: do, and there's yeah. nothing, and there's nothing wrong.
0: with are there's What movie is that like from I'm where like. the waitress name is Flo? Is that Dumb and Dumber? Flo?
1: Isn't that the Oh, I know that's
0: progressively. but I feel yeah. like there's Flo. yeah, I, I
2: think it's Dumb oh. and I think
1: Dumber. it's Dumb and anyways. Problem child.
0: But
2: my point was,
1: <laughs> <I'm>,
0: <laughs> I was <laughs> looking for Flo.
2: something more. Right. I was looking for something more than Pabst and Old Style and, and Ballstaff and Budweiser and Budweiser. So you did it yourself? So I went, and I, and I actually sought out these imported beers, and that was like, okay, I'm building a palate here. And then I started drinking wine, and I figured out there's, you figure it by the grape or by the region. And, okay, let's start breaking these down and finding these taste profiles of where these grapes and regions and what they put out. And I did that probably through my 30s and 40s. And that's kind of how I got to. Okay, now I'm making wine and I'm learning my grapes. And so you're evolving and growing and building your palate and getting excited about a bottle. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then I went to the bourbon trail. Mm-hmm. So the bourbon trail adds another, okay, now I've got whiskey, I've got wine. Drink all these imported beers. I've got a pretty good palate. I like to cook. All these things are interesting and exciting. Why not do recipes? Do, do you remember when I came over and interviewed with you guys?
3: Because you had you had come found me in Duffy's and, right. and I said, "Hey, come over for an interview," and I didn't know what they made. I had no idea. Oh, it's just you know, it's going to be whiskey. It's a distillery, and, and so I came in and. Uh, Walked in and I first thing I saw was a chandelier. I, the chandelier. I like, love the chandelier. This is cool. This is an awesome vibe. Awesome. I'm like, what are you guys making? And you know, Bob and Jeff were there and they said, Well, we're, we're doing mostly brandy. I said, oh, uh, I might not be the right bartender. I really don't like brandy. I had a bunch of low end brandy that you dump in eggnog at Christmas. Wake up, E and J. No names, but you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I'd had some stuff that's not the greatest, you know. And uh, so I'm like, I typically mix whiskeys, you know, I do bourbons, whiskeys, right? you know, that kind of stuff. And I said, Well, will you try this stuff? Well, I'm here. I'm not going to turn down free alcohol. Of course, I'll try it. And, and so I tasted it. And as soon as I tasted it, I'm like, Oh, holy crap. This is not what I thought Randy. You know, I can work with this. We we can have fun with this stuff. <clears throat> and then I I believe during the interview I said, "Can we make Absinthe?" And you're like, "Yeah, we'll talk about that."
4: Mm.
3: <laughs> six years later, yeah, <laughs>
4: here we are. It's, it's a long road. Six, it's a six long years road. Later.
3: Yeah, I mean, they just both gave me this dislike like look, like, no, we're we're not gonna, you know. And I I
2: bugged them incessantly since I got hired to do Absinthe. But, uh, you know what? We've always encouraged the.
3: Oh um, sure, I, I think absence create, was
2: maybe a little. We've always encouraged um, cocktails <coughs> that were out there, and we tried so many different cocktails, and it's they've evolved, and they don't take a short time to evolve. Oh, dude! Oh no, they're I, almost I, like one in two months to evolve these absolutely. really cocktails, and we always really encouraged our employees to really really try to push their creative boundaries. And I mean, that is like one of the most important things for us is to You still, You
3: still occasionally give me weird looks.
2: Yeah. The uh, the
3: basalmic Sour was was a weird look. When I said I'm gonna use basalmic Vinegar in a drink.
1: No, that was actually a beautiful cocktail. That was well-balanced, that I really enjoyed. And the Castaway that you did with the coffee liqueur and the espresso powder, that we used for the collaboration dinner that we did just recently by us that Dan came up with was exceptional.
3: Flavors are just, they're so much fun to play with. And I'm sure as a cook, you know, you know, you do the same thing. It, it, there's this weird flavor, and there's this weird flavor. And if we put them together, we make something that's never really been seen before. And I love that. I mean, that's- You
1: did a phenomenal spin off of a classic Negroni that you tweaked and you twisted and you Torched it with the rosemary.
3: That was a fun and cocktail. I enjoyed that cocktail a lot. <clears throat> I though. actually like drinking that cocktail. I mean, that's ultimately why I do
2: this is because they're fun to drink.
1: It's like a non-traditional Negroni, and it just it works beautifully.
2: So all those things are exciting. I mean, we all want to do unique things. Why do you want to run down the same? Half that exactly. everyone else. Well,
3: and so I mean, Casey and I have had this conversation
2: multiple times,
3: of you know what is a craft distiller. You know, it's a broad question. Technically, craft means that you produce less than X amount. Theoretically, craft means that you're, you know, you're creating, you're innovating, you're you're changing, and so you know. Where does craft fall in? Coming to play. So we're a craft distillery. Does that mean that we use the same bourbon mash, you know, the same corn mash that everybody else is doing, but we just make less? That's not really craft. Or do we kind of push the boundaries and do something unique and different and hopefully better? You know, does that make us craft? And so we've. All of us, I think, have agreed on that of let's make the best product we can.
2: And with the equipment that we have, I mean, that's, uh, we've found our sweet spot on a couple things, and we feel that it can carry over into some of our other products. And it's it's nice to be away from what everybody else is doing. We don't want to do things that are too sweet. We want things that are unique want them to um, be thought provoking. We want them to, let people talk about them, are excited about them, are in industry changing. Yeah. Hopefully. Well, Hopefully. Yeah, I mean, look at the rum and rye. You
3: know, so the rum and rye has been a spectacular success so far. You know, we released it May 5th, and people are going crazy for it. And, and you know, it, it's great. I, I love the fact people are going crazy for it. And, you know, we're, it was our first collaboration with another distillery. We've done some, some minor collaborations with other industries, but uh, this was our first major collaboration with the distillery, and they were good friends of ours. You know, we've known these guys for years. And so to blend 50-50 with our rum and their rye nobody has done that and so to do that and have it come out the way it did and it completely give bob credit for that because uh well it was actually after an event when uh, mm-hmm. mississippi yeah, did Cody the, uh, the mississippi dinner yeah i remember we were sitting out on your porch drinking whiskey and, and smoking cigars and he said yeah we should do something together. and ryan burchett the owner is super chill you know and he's like what do you want to do and we said, well, we'll get back to you. And you actually came up with the idea for the room. Yeah, I,
2: that Sunday I went in by myself. <clears> and <throat> I was, I think I ended up bartending by myself that Sunday afternoon. Probably
3: because I'm terrible on Bloody Mary that, Sunday show. Yeah,
2: so I was in there and I went out the, on the Saturday or the Friday before and I went out. And I knew that I really liked their rye a lot. Their rye really speaks to me. And I was I'm really the there there's you you're looking for opposites so usually like opposites kind of work together spicy and sweet and we have we have uh, a lot of gold rum oh, yeah. and we had that so what goes good with gold rum i would say is spicy rye okay. and so well, and so
3: i think it was actually that that sunday you texted me and you're like what do you think of rum and rye i'm like it's either going to be god awful or it's going to be fantastic. Well, let's let's try. It. You know, I I don't know cuz nobody's done this. You know, I can envision what it could be, but I can't imagine what it's going to be, you know. And so we we went out I think you went out that day. I think you went out and I just went grabbed out that a day bottle of uh yeah. of the Cody Rye. And I came in the Monday and I I planted it 50 50 and I shook it to to simulate it sitting in a stainless for a little while and we poured it and we were both just like oh holy crap
2: i i was uh, expecting to have to put it back into a into a barrel for yeah another year it and was, then it was just it casey was, was like oh no and it, you were like i think it's just good the way it is it was
3: so stupid good and, and just ridiculously smooth and everything and so yeah i mean we decided that I mean this was it and uh, typically when you're doing a blend you mix you start at 50 50 and you go okay well that's pretty rye heavy so I'm gonna add a little more rum and and you start playing with the ratios and things like that and this one was like the marriage made in heaven it was 50 50 it was perfect there you know I'm tasting I'm like there's nothing we can do to make this better you know, there, there's nothing I can do to this to make it any better than what it is. And uh, it was kind of funny because we ended up, we sent some of our rum. I drove
2: that next day. I drove out to um, uh, LeClaire, Iowa. And I said, just take an ounce of this and an ounce of your rye and a shot glass. And yeah. Just sip it and see what you think. About two days later, Ryan said, we're in. We're, oh, yeah. we're ready yeah, to go yeah, exactly. we're yeah. all in
3: and so the uh we actually had a thing where their distiller and their sales rep sam you know sam, mm-hmm. um they all came in ryan came in and we we kind of had a dinner you know we had a, a couple drinks at the distillery and stuff we all sat around and you know the the whole council of how do we do this and what what makes this work and uh and so i kind of said well you know, sorry, not, you know, due diligence, just to let you guys know, we mixed it. I never changed it. It was 50-50, and I never touched it. And, and they started laughing like we did the same thing. It just worked, and we've yeah. been drinking it ever since. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, that was... A
2: wonderful success.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it was one of those cool aha moments where we're working with another distillery. I mean, these guys are producing great stuff. And we're on this this plateau and this plane of we made this product together. You don't get that often in the, you know, typically production is kind of cutthroat and the distillery world is a little different. And so to, you know, work with another distiller and everything's cool and we're just having fun and we're doing it the right way, it's kind of like this really cool magical moment of we just made something better
2: you know well we have always respected mississippi river distilling company
3: i love those guys
2: when we when we started out we hit about jeff and i hit about 150 distilleries in about a year and a half so we were on you know, you have to, That's you gotta impressive. do something. That's you gotta impressive. do something when you're doing <laughs> so What are you gonna do? So what we do went on to? the road and we started talking to people and we met Ryan Bruchette and he was incredible, <clears throat> oh, wonderful. Brilliant. But he was, he was a guy who was like, he was frustrated too because he could only pour out a half ounce of drinks. He couldn't make any, any, uh, cocktails and, he is frustrated, and he was just getting his place going. And now we go back there, and it's been 10 years, and his place is just, fantastic, like unbelievable. They actually just opened another
3: location over in
0: Davenport. Yeah, we got to get out there. We they, we talked about doing pulling the food truck out there. Let's go. And just hanging out. Let's to, go. For yeah. A day, yeah.
3: So, yeah, Ryan actually wants me to come over and do another smoke night before I do the smoke cocktails. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Let's do it sometime. Because it'll be fun, because I... I I know I've known those guys. Actually, I've known them longer than I've known you. Oh yeah, because I—I uh, mean, they were doing their thing, and when I was back at Duffy's, when I was first doing the smoked cocktails, you were
1: all about those smoked cocktails. <laughs>
3: Doing, doing the really weird stuff. Yeah, we and still
0: got all of that shit at Actually, our... it's, it, yeah, I took it you're
4: home. I took it home.
3: We have some, some kind like of weird ice this, machines. Said, and the Dan. ice crusher. I ought <laughs> to just take the ice crusher. Although, no, I'm could, using
1: it for the skydiver. What's that? We have a the skydiver cocktail. Yeah, that thing use looks it. like...
3: Because
1: uh, it's the blue... It
3: looks like a slushie. Correct.
0: Okay. It looks right. like a slushie.
1: So, yeah. I say it wrong every time. So
3: you guys bought me a bunch of weird stuff when I came down to play. Which was fun. I, I appreciate it. We had a good time. So you get an ice crusher. You know, how can you say no to an ice crusher, right? The hammer. I, I like the hammer, but... Rob used to be get wild. so
0: mad when you would hammer. It would be <laughs> like in the middle of a Friday <laughs> <hearing laughs> ceremony. All you Do, 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 do. Rob's like, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I don't know what he's doing. He's at the end of the bar breaking things. Just, just
3: let him do his thing.
0: But I will say that we... Are, uh, we had to buy like a thousand glasses when you
3: were working Oh, I broke so many glasses. Because so had many Well, you have such a tiny, glasses. tiny Let's little bar. Let's not talk bar. about it.
1: Why are we bringing like? I, I'm a wide it bartender. Awesome. I'm
3: broad. My emotions yes. are... It's a small bar.
1: It's a it's very small bar. bar. And very small And yes, I back into things constantly, and I you broke know, things constantly. It's just constantly. too small of a bar for him to be
3: behind. Yeah. Listen, you know, I, I mean, excuses it's for like... I'm too big for your bar,
0: He's too big. He's too big.
3: Too big for the bar. <laughs>
1: There's two of us can't even be back there at a single given
0: time. So, I John, always worry about made...
2: your wine glasses.
1: And when John... I, oh, I broke a bunch.
2: I was, was going to you say, you're going to rub against
0: wine glasses. He's pirouetting. Uh, John's very dynamic. Yes, he's very dynamic.
3: Well, I think the last time I came over here and hung out, I broke a wine.
1: Yeah, you did.
0: You
3: did. Was there not enough space in the kitchen? I I break
1: a lot the couch yeah he did you know what that must have been earlier today I said oh I found some glass that must have been it's from when you me. broke it that was my great grandma's no wine deal. glass it was... <laughs> fine no big deal
0: those are irreplaceable There's plenty more to go around. that was from her travels to Nepal all she brought me back
3: was, was one glasses. wine glass. glass and you took and it and now out. it's gone forever
1: it's okay I break his coffee mug
3: so well I'm kind of surprised that. you gave me a stem glass actually and I yeah, you should know better. I figured I was gonna get a water glass with some wine in it. No, we should give you one we of these steel like glasses. Oh, there you glasses. go. You can't yeah.
0: break those. I, I'm funny. sorry, you could break those. That's a challenge, bud. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bob, you look good. You had a week off.
2: I'm recharged. I have been on the road for a while, but it's good. I mean, when I'm on the road, I'm selling. I feel a lot of love from absolutely from the people I work that I I trying to sell to. And it's easier to do that now than it ever
0: has. Absolutely.
2: I feel that we're establishing ourselves, establishing our market. Mm-hmm. Our markets are emerging. I feel that we have- Now you are our,
1: in Binny's, is that correct?
2: We are in Binny's with our rum and rye. Hopefully we'll get in some more of our brandies
0: I think I saw a cutout of you at Benny's. I don't think so.
2: <laughs> I don't think that was me.
0: Maybe it was in the bathroom.
2: I don't yeah. know. <laughs> no, that was the phone number. That's yeah. <laughs> right. Was not my
0: phone number.
3: <laughs> I feel like
0: what like a lot of people don't talk about, like, you know, you talk about uh, like the great things about opening a business and that like, you know, it takes time, but like it eventually gets there and you're expanding and and more employees and like you're you're building something that a community didn't have before but you know like you, you look great because you took a week off and i think like what a lot of people don't talk about is how much businesses especially when you're doing it your, like yourself or with one other person like i mean they run you down and it's so much work i mean it's a 24-hour job and it, it is and, and yeah
2: and That's now cool. we're doing uh, a lot of events which we've we're hoping for when COVID was around. But now we have, uh, we're out at the pistol shrimp game. Mm-hmm. We have private tastings. We're at events in Chicago. Last week, I got called about a rum event down in Bloomington. Two nights later, we were at the Poor Brothers uh, down in Peoria, which actually went well, so well that we've already got another date with them coming up. Response has been fantastic with everyone that I taste out our our spirits to. And it's, you don't really know, I, I that one week I brought all my, almost all of our Hope portfolio down to Poor Brothers. And it's funny how so many different people want so many different drink, things to try. And I am always um, amazed when people, drink our brandy. Um, they are expecting something lesser. And when they, I see their face when they drink it, it's, they almost get the epiphany look.
3: So I, I have to talk about a, a customer that came in one time. And
2: is this another ghost?
3: No, no, this no, is this, this a, a real, real customer. Person, a real person. And he actually came in on a Saturday afternoon and... He was a big fan of Calvados. I don't know you're familiar, mm-hmm. you've had it. Yeah, tequila? Oh, uh, yeah, right?
2: Thank Calvados. Is it? Calvados, George Calvados, Clooney's? The, French, the French,
3: that... French apple.
2: No, Calvados. Oh, I'm sorry, the Calvados brandy. Calvados is an yeah, apple yeah, brandy. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Calvados, sorry, sorry, apple brandy. What, brandy what am I French...
0: thinking of? What's the...
2: You the Cavaliers the used to drink yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. But you're thinking of uh, George Clooney's Yeah, what's tequila. that one
0: called? What's George oh, Clooney's? It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter. We don't have he's, to give he's it. He's really good looking. He doesn't need to he sell. He's, he's better looking, looking than me. Looking I more Bob, money let's, than, not yeah. okay? <laughs> <laughs> let's not put yourself down here. Okay? Let's not put yourself down.
3: Well, yeah, th- th- so this customer comes in, and he's a big fan of Calvado's. And I said, well, you know, our Apple brandy, this, this release of the brandy actually drinks a lot like a Calvado's. Mm-hmm. And he got oh, it's snotty about it. He said, oh, it's an American brand. I'm a big fan of Calvados. I have all the different Calvados.
0: Thank you, sir, for your resume.
3: Yeah, pretty much. And I'm like, well, so that's my perception, is it drinks a lot like the Calvados that I've had. Mm -hmm. And so he, uh, he ended up tasting it, and the look on his face was just fantastic because he just looked stunned. And he's like, this... Brinks like some of my best Calvados. I'm like, oh, cool, you just validated me. Thank you, <laughs> I appreciate that. Right. And so he ended up taking, I think, four or six bottles, something like that, home. But it's like, you know, to see that epiphany on people's faces yeah. and to say, yeah, we're making stuff of that quality. Right. That they can taste it and go, oh, holy crap. You know, this is very similar to this you know extremely elevated you know snooty stuff that it's Uh. there's nothing like it you know it's just it's very cool and that's I I think that's why the obsession for the absinthe is I really want to make a world class absinthe typically American companies they they make absinthe and and, and I've had some good American absinthe but it's not European quality absinthe and so one of my weird little obsessive goals is to to work with Casey and to make a an absinthe that's european quality but done with american corn. I I think it's just hilarious in, in so many different ways because I wouldn't, it be, you know. Right. Um and so hopefully we can we can get to that point. You
2: know, I think we're we're on the we're right working track. To, I mean, everything that we do is done with love and care. Quality in mind, and if it's anything short of that, we're not going to release it. I mean, that is like um, and, you know, talking about that the uh, the rye, just
3: you know, for a moment the, the rye we uh, we had planned. We've got a rye whiskey, and it's been aging, and we had planned to release it what a year ago. Uh, over a year and a half ago we wanted just to get something yeah, it was it was one of our batch. big christmas releases small batch it was really going to be the first whiskey release and um i will give bob and jeff huge props when we think something's ready for release we all taste it you know bob jeff casey me it, we multiple people taste it, and everybody is allowed to weigh in and um it was very difficult because we all wanted to release this. This was
2: you know, still It was COVID. a year before our, our, our it was only a year old.
3: Yeah, but it, it was, was only
2: is- a year old and we waited a whole nother year for another whiskey to come out.
3: Right. Well and, uh-huh. and so it was kind it was- of
2: our let's get us out of COVID kind of thing.
3: And so we all tasted it and it was such a bitter pill to swallow to go. Not ready. To, you know, to taste something that's been in the barrel and you're planning and releasing it and this is going to be great and blah, blah, blah. To say, nope. It's yeah, all we scrapped to the haul. We, 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 we put, put everything away. We put it away. Um, But, it, I mean, we had to, you know, dynamically pivot our marketing again because we were planning on the whiskey release. But I, I've always given both Bob and Jeff credit for that of not releasing something right. before it's ready. You know, it, it's, you've got to be of a certain quality and to not force the
2: issue and to go, okay, it's not ready, put it back and we'll
3: we'll figure it out.
2: Yeah. and That's a big thing. And those know? things will, it'll come out when it's time. It needed more time in a barrel and it'll come out. It'll be all good. You know, we got to make sure that it's right.
0: Well, quality's so important. It's like with with Laura, like with the with the bar and everything. It's the same thing. It's like like pressing like fresh citrus and and doing that stuff like every day when it needs to be done. Making the syrups homemade. Like those those things are like just the, that, that sets you apart from exactly ninety nine percent of exactly. everybody that has a bar, right? Like that's that's what's important, and it's like you just it becomes a habit. And when it becomes a habit, it's just normal. It's just day to day. It's like, oh, we're out of lemon juice. Okay, well, you better go squeeze fifty-eight lemons, right now. <laughs> because. And you know now, Laura. You know we got the big fancy squeezer. Well,
1: luckily, we have a new nifty.
3: We need one of those, by the way. There's a, a big, squeezer? big fancy so, squeezer. I want a big fancy squeezer. Yes.
1: Yeah, you can borrow ours whenever you. Prefer. Oh, thank he'll you break know. it.
3: I totally uh, yeah That's his thing.
0: I break everything. <laughs> <just so> <laughs> It's metal, it doesn't matter Proceed real quick.
1: with caution. <laughs> Proceed with caution. You'll be fine.
0: So Bob, what's 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 the future? What's Star Union? What what are we doing in the future that you're looking forward to? Where where are you where are you looking? Yeah, Genevieve.
2: I would like to have more distribution so more people can try our stuff and be instead of becoming this North Central Illinois brand, we are full of Illinois and in Wisconsin, in Michigan, in Missouri, in Iowa, and all the stores there. We need to get bigger and we need to accelerate our production. I think that we, at some point, we need to either put on a second shift or expand our operations. We're, also, we're already, we're in full production right now. We have all of our fermenters full. We're trying to keep those full and going all the time. I want ours still going almost every day. Um, I feel that we need to do that. I think we need to also need to get more employees and have just a larger operation. We stripped down to the bare necessities for COVID, and it's hard coming back from that. And if we didn't, if we did not do that, we would not be here. Sure, but I feel that we are accelerating quickly. I think um, if we could get um, another salesperson in the Chicago area and down in Illinois. We so, could don't accelerate. you think
3: though? I mean, I you know, COVID was a nightmare, absolutely one hundred percent nightmare. But don't you think it really bonded us as a company? Oh absolutely. You know, there we, we dealt with some really strange, bizarre moments oh, at COVID, you know. And I'm sure you guys did too. You they, know, it was it was this dynamic of if you came through it, it's almost like a you know, a battle veteran kind of thing. You you guys have been through the crap together, mm. you know. And uh so I think that gave
2: us a dynamic that we probably wouldn't have had well we found our core people dan took care of the he took care of the 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 bar and the, and the cocktails to go and 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 he also worked on some of the recipes with casey there was only four of us that kept that whole and then to come out of it and here we are we're now we're we were bigger than we were before and we're still really on a very small, um, uh, we have a small amount of ploy- employees, but everybody kind of wears different everybody shoes. Everybody
3: is, is very happy to be there. Yeah. And I know it's the same way as you guys. You know, And I think that's kind of the dynamic is it's really hard to get staff, but when you get staff, they're good staff. And we're we have the same an exceptionally you know, we, uh,
1: well-rounded yeah, we solid an exceptional
3: staff yes. and we're kind that of the cares. same way we you know we have this staff and we have you know we bang heads and and we do dumb shit like every staff does but um at the end of the day everybody's kind of riding for the brand you know and i know you guys are the same way it's everybody wants to make everything better
2: mm-hmm and well, I think they're all passionate about what they do, and they're all—they all are take a lot of pride in what they do. I'm really incredibly proud of our staff because they really have—we've overcome a lot of adversity we've over the last couple. They—they
3: they own the brand; they all want to make it better, and it's not because they want to make it better because make an extra 20 cents an hour they want to make it better because it's a good brand and they're proud to show it off and they're proud to be part of it
2: and we also we're like you know we dan and i were talking before about you know we have our bottling parties and we bring in some you know homemade wine and we order pizzas in and we kind of lighten it up and we also we want it to be it becomes a family yeah and we want to have these light moments together that we could share and bond and we do a lot of things like that and I think it's really good for all of us because everybody works really hard and everybody is trying to make things better and it's frustrating at times because our growth is somewhat limited right now we're finally feeling some expansion and our Brand is getting out there, and more people are recognizing it, and it's going to get bigger, and we know it's going to get bigger, but we're still having some of these growing pains, and we'll get through those. But our staff is really good, yeah. and they're all creative, and they're all gung ho about it, and God, you know, we just love them for it. I really think they're they yeah, we, we do get an exceptional the best job. In the world. Yeah, um, and 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 Casey, uh, he shines every day i gotta tell you he I, I was Casey, like
3: a twisted mad scientist yeah he's
2: because he's really uh he's so even keel he never gets flustered about anything <laughs> yeah. but he really like John. is he really does a fantastic job so you know we're we're good and we're gonna get better
0: yeah staff staff is like so important oh, i mean God, like man. same thing with us it's like we're super lucky because we we have these people that like we can't get rid of and we love it because yeah. like we, we're family, right? Like we're all family. I think me and John we had this conversation before. I feel like, like everyone there is like, we're, we're family. And like, you know, we'll go out and we'll go to Nina's and we'll buy everyone burritos and we'll come back and eat. And and the other day we did like the taco thing with the, with the big beef shank and whatever. So, and everyone's, like, sat around working, and ate tacos. everyone's yeah. like,
1: well, where's John? And like, that's well, yeah, what they want to see. Yeah.
0: We really propelled when we got rid of you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> they think Nikki owns a joint i said you keep telling them that yeah telling them.
0: <laughs> but no staff is so important because i mean how many hours a week do you spend with your staff i mean more than a, a lot than your oh, family yeah. i mean oh, seriously yeah, like you you see you see these people every single day i mean they're you're you're there 50 60 hours a week and and you live with these people like they know everything about you and you know
3: so like how much do you think the dynamic of everything has changed with covid
0: uh, well, it, it opened up, like, like you guys said, it just opened up different opportunities. So, if, like, you adapted, you know, like, we never had a takeout program, right? Like, and we never wanted to have a takeout program, but now, you know, Friday and Saturday night, Rob is running fucking a dozen deliveries, you know? And, and, I have and, and, to
1: say, I probably feel you are short-staffed this past Friday, and John had to, you worked with Julia, and that was probably the busiest Friday that we've had since...
4: Yeah, I heard prior all about To that. the
1: pandemic, yeah. where we really had a full mainstream customers and they were flooding the door. But that is was the norm prior to the pandemic, and we would have a full bar and a full restaurant and a full patio, and there would be people just walking in and they'd be lined up on the panel walls. So and we have not been able to fully get back to that. I was going to say, do you think you guys recently. have forgotten
3: how to deal with that? I mean, so for a while that was norm. It was normal. It was kind of the same way with us. It was norm to be insanely busy. And then we've spent so long not insanely busy that when it's starting to get back to norm again, it's like
0: No, it's different.
1: So that's why I've always told them just be mindful of overly prep everything for the bar and have everything set up accordingly because if you're set up for success, you'll be fine. It that's all it comes down to. It's overly prep yourself so that you can efficiently man everything. And everything has a home, so you're good to go. No, well,
3: like are scrambling. you having a problem balancing the, the sporadicness of everything? Because that that's one of our big things. It's like we can't prep for a crazy busy night yeah, because we know. might have five people.
0: Yeah, like you can't predict. I mean, like the hospitality industry is just everywhere. I mean, you, you one day you'll you know be the busiest you have ever been in the like for two years, and then the next day you'll have no one. It's like you? you you one day Napoleon Dynamite walks in. And you're just like, and you're which, like what the hell? So, which I
3: still kind of blame you for not texting so, going, So, you know, it's hey, a Saturday at lunch, and John I just comes in. I wasn't there.
1: And, I have no idea. And yeah, me and John make, you know, funny, Like, John's we're mentioning the Uncle movie Pedro. all the time. You know,
0: we make, like, you know, like, references to the movie all the time. And John just comes in. I think I 12 Napoleon o'clock Dynamite on a Saturday. He's like, hey, uh, Napoleon Dynamite, Pedro, and Uncle Rico are outside eating. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, Napoleon Dynamite <laughs> is outside eating and, and i'm like so what? and then like i looked at the window i'm like holy shit that's fucking i'm was
3: i like corbin why didn't you text me we were so busy that oh, day well, it, was, that was, it was like really it was sad.
0: insanely busy and then like you know and and then we're trying to like you don't want to bother these people you oh, know because well, exactly. they're exactly you know at uh, the end of the day like everyone knows them but they're just trying to have lunch right yeah. like so you don't want to bother them and everything so like Afterwards, you know, we kind of like you know scope them out with John. I'm like, John, are they cool? You think they're cool if we like ask them if we can have a photo? Like, you don't want to bother them, and you know, and he's like, yeah, you know, so like I think Rob went outside or whatever. Or John, yeah. I don't remember? And and he's just like, hey, do you guys mind if we just get like a staff photo? And you know, and they were just super cool, so nice, like awesome. But anyways, like you don't any <laughs> like you don't expect any of the stuff, and you can't predict any of this oh, stuff. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. one day you you're crazy busy and and in the next day you're completely dead it's like you don't know and and i think the pandemic like I, like i said changed so much like our takeout business is like it's like such a big part of our operation now is our takeout but business ever and we had no intention of doing any takeout but now i'm i'm guessing it's like 20% of our sales every single day it's so it's like it.
3: the, well i mean it's like the restaurant
0: might like be look like oh it's, it's you're having an okay day but we're having a great day because we have so
3: much takeout exactly. so it's like
0: so no you don't you can't predict it right
3: and and of went through the same thing with the bottles to go because right. that was such a weird dynamic because mm-hmm. before covid you absolutely I mean it was completely verboten that was illegal you could not create right. cocktails to well, go. It,
2: everything was changing quickly the hand sanitizer you had to get an over the you know over the counter um uh, and the, the drug gangs, yeah. the drug manufacturing license for a year. And then, then the people were talking about, well, takeout cocktails. Can we do takeout? And then the governor passed something and the, they passed that. So all these things, as they were coming up, we were like, okay, this is a chance where we can do something. And we did it. Like ours was like nothing like anything that was around here before we had you know, even the little garnishes we put in like the granulated sugar the the raw sugar with the with the lemon peels and everything just to make that home experience much better, and that right. really helped us, so oh, helped us so
3: much Oh it helped us so much, but you know the thing was it was uh it was a cool challenge it really was it was what can you do to give people at home that are that are stuck at home and and are frustrated being at home how can you give them a glimpse of being out and um and, and you were you were good about it. you you're like
2: what can you do what what can we do to yeah, get able this broke down the out? menu and we probably isolated six or eight of them that we could do oh, in, Lord, um, you and know us. trying to
3: design you know so you take a cocktail you have you, you know you you do the same you know yeah, so to take a cocktail and to turn a single cocktail into a sealed 750 milliliter, it gives somebody the same, you know, the same feel, the same taste. the same. You know. Well, on
2: all of our, a lot of our cocktails are really specialized and they have some really nice garnishes on it. And we still wanted them to have that experience at home. So when they did... Finish their isolation. They'd come back to us, and they'd want to kind of recreate it in our place. And it's um, we still wanted a lot. we we still wanted to you know have that special experience for them, and that unique experience. And again, something that's nobody else is doing. It's also doing a lot of research. I mean, I read a lot. I read a lot yeah. about the cocktail industry. Dan reads a lot. We have try to find out what's trending, but also try to be imaginative enough to come up with something that has not been done before.
1: That's a big yeah. part of it, too. Like every day doing your due diligence and doing your research and really studying this stuff and then bringing it to the table and tweaking it and figuring out what you can oh, do. Yeah. If you don't consistently keep up with the trends and or do the research, it, it's, it's, actually probably it's only Where one part of the day. You're not, it's not
2: going to happen. It's, yeah, it's so only this uh, like, small part of the day because we're also producing. We're also fermenting. We're bottling. We're out selling. We couldn't sell, be out selling during COVID. That's like one of my big things right now is to get out and meet with bar owners, restaurant owners, bottle shop owners, liquor store owners. Yeah.
3: Well, Anybody, anybody who
2: will listen, listen to me <laughs> and hear, hear about our thing and, and try to capture that magic, magic that we talk about, our story, our spirits, our cocktails, our vision. And they if they can catch that, then, mm. then we have a customer or uh, a, a person who will sell it to customers, well, and we can work, work with them to make them our customers, because we know that once they taste our product, they're gonna come back and they're buying another bottle or two bottles and they're, or come and visit our tasting room. And that's what we're striving for. Well,
3: right, and and I mean, that's honestly my, probably one of my most asked questions is, how much research do you do on that? You know, and it's like 30 to 50 hours a week. Mm -hmm. On just obscure drinks, obscure cocktails, obscure ingredients, obscure this and that, and, and trying to make things, better, you know, and
1: uh, it was the only way.
3: Yeah, you know, <clears throat> well, like I said, you know, before prohibition, drinking had reached a pinnacle that it's probably never going to get to again. And so I'm trying to bring a lot of that historical stuff back and drinks that were kind of forgotten and. Flavor profiles that were forgotten and things like that because it was really good. And, you know, then Prohibition hit and things got forgotten, you know, bathtub gin and blah, blah, blah. But that stuff that happened before that, it it was elevated art. I mean, it really was. The bartenders at that time were fantastic. You know, there was there was no buffering. You know, there was no aspirin. If you had a headache, you went to the bartender. You, oh, here, drink this. And so these guys were doing stuff. They were, you know, making people feel better. But Broken you know, bones, headaches. You know, sick. Blah blah blah. Whatever. And it was just natural. You know, it was fantastic stuff. And so to kind of bring a little bit of that back into this world is. You can't ask for more, you know. Nice.
4: All right,
0: should wrap this up. Come yeah. On. Well, guys, thank you for doing us. Absolutely, Absolutely man. We it's appreciate you. We love you guys.
2: We get to. It was a nice evening. Yeah. We get to talk about our philosophy on Bob our Wendy, our job, our drinking history. Him, drinking Bob's yeah.
3: wine. <laughs> I'm that, that, I'm the drinking that the home juice. I mean,
2: we're kind of you know. Flying back, back in time. time and moving forward in time yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Thank you so, so much. Cheers. Yeah, Cheers. Thank you. No,